keeps talking about this one central idea. And that's it here, right here. There is a good God with the best plan. Let me believe that. And the reason we spent three weeks talking about it, we're concluding here with one more week, is because believing that, that there is a good and perfect plan for each of us, for you, for me, is one thing. But actually discovering that good plan is a lot easier said than done. Mostly because God's plan for you, each and every one of you, and for me, is unique. That plan is unique to you. And so I'm going to revise this a little bit just for today, and it's going to say it this way. There is a good God with a unique plan. Now, God's plan for you is custom. It's not cookie cutter. It's not Henry Ford assembly line. God's plan for each of us is unique to us because each of us is unique to God. That's the way it is. See, His plan is unique because we're unique to Him. And if we're all unique, it makes sense that God's plan would be unique. Now just think about for a minute how unique we all are. Everybody is different. Everybody is crazy, really, when you think about it. Let's do this. Everybody, look, all right, let me do this. I'm going to ask you to do this. You have to pay very close attention right now. I know the rest of the time you're not going to, so right now, just, <laughs> okay. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do it. Don't think, don't do it. Do exactly what I said. I'm going to count to three, all right? When I count to three, I want you to turn and look to your left. One, two, three. See, you see that? Wait, everybody sees the back of other people's heads. Never mind. I want everybody to look around, though, and everybody to your left, to your right, front, behind you. Look behind, look, look behind you. Everybody get a good look around. Participate now. Look around. Okay? Look at the faces, all the different kinds of people, all the different kinds of faces you see. So now we've learned one thing here for sure. God has a sense of humor. I'm kidding you, that's when you looked at my face. He has a sense of humor. I believe that he does. But the other thing is, is that you look around and you see we're all unique. We're all different. And that is so awesome. And I think Pastor said it so well. He didn't know I was going to say this today. But I'm going to tell you, I love diversity. I love the fact that I look around here and I see folks that are young folks, old folks, maybe some rich folks, don't know, some poor folks. Some folks address one way and others address another. I see folks that are uh, brown skin, black skin, white skin. It doesn't matter. And here's why. Because there is diversity in this body. There is diversity in this body. And let me tell you something. We want more of it. And here's why. Because that's what it's like in heaven. Everybody in heaven is equal. All this stuff that the media and everybody wants to tell you about. And I'm not saying there aren't people that, that do things the wrong way. That's the world we live in. But to make it seem like everything. Look, in this church, I can tell you, there is a loving embrace of everybody, no matter what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been away from God, or how long you've been serving God. What you look like, what you smell like, even though we'd probably give you some advice on that. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter. We love it. We 
love you. We embrace the diversity because that's heaven. That's what each one of us is a child of God. You think that a child of God, that God's looking down and saying, well, that child of God is a dark skin. That child of God is a light skin. That child of God is a brown skin. No, you're a child of God. Hallelujah. See, I like that. And I like this church because of that. We embrace it. We're excited about it. So anyway, I have to say that. Because I just, I'm glad the pastor said it earlier, but now how is it possible for us to all be so different? We, look, there, this world, this planet that we live on is approaching 8 billion people that live on this planet now. Approaching that somewhere in the upper seven right now. And each one of the people that live on this planet, each one has a unique fingerprint. How is that possible? That's unique. That is, that is, that is something that just, it's almost mind-blowing. And again, that's, a, that's an interesting factoid, but even there's much more simpler things. There's people that like salad. There's people that don't like salad. My son Jackson is one that doesn't like salad. In fact, I'll tell you a story. One time we went through a drive through This is a few years ago now. And we're figuring out what he eats, which is not much. We finally got to a place where he'd eat a hamburger. Then he'd eat a cheeseburger. He'd even eat a bacon cheeseburger. We're so excited, but the way he eats it is plain. Bread, bacon, cheese, meat, bread. That's it. So we went through the drive-thru and ordered it, got home. I took it out of the bag. I handed it to him. I walked back in the kitchen to get something else, and I heard this scream. Ah! I was scared. I didn't know what happened. I ran back in there. I'm like, what's wrong? They put salad on my hamburger. He didn't call it that anymore, but at the time he did. There's people that like salad. There's also people that think salad is for rabbits. We're different. Here's one for you. There's some people that vote Republican. There's some people that vote Democrat. I thought I'd get some cheers and booze. I didn't know what was going to happen. We're not getting political, but let me just tell you. We're all different. Here's one for you. I know you're not going to believe this. There are people, some people in this world, that actually enjoy wearing a tie. There's one of them right there. And you know what? That's okay. Count me out of that one. But for the ones that do, it's okay. We're all different. And I'll just say this one thing about Sister Mitzi Frost, Dr. Mitzi, who I miss, but I love, and I'm so happy she's home. We had a great celebration for her here Monday. But she told me one time, she said, Billy, amongst many things she told me, you can only be yourself. You can only dress like you dress. She was talking about this specifically. You can dress like you dress, and that's just who you are, and be who you are. God made you who you are, and don't ever worry about it. Be who you are. Dress who you are. And, that, and I just thought that was so wonderful, such a blessing to me for her to say that, because it gave me the ability to not to wear a tie up here. <laughs> Dr. Mitzi said it was okay. I love you. Yes, you. There are people, if you can believe this, that we're or they would want to wear a different pair of shoes every day. 
Now, a long time ago, I went to a person's house, and they were giving us a tour of their home, beautiful home, and their closet was as big, bigger than my bedroom. And I walked in there, I'm like, whoa! One wall had clothes. It was this big, high, tall ceiling. Clothes were hanging on there. They had a little ladder that went around. So they could get up there. And the other three walls were shoes. Now, they spent, this isn't an actual picture, but it looked sort of like this. There was a few purses sprinkled around in there, but it was shoes. And I'm like, man, they got a pair of shoes for every day of the year in here. And that wasn't an exaggeration. And now there are people like me wear the same pair of shoes every day if we could get away with it. I think I've got a few pair of shoes, a black pair, a brown pair, a couple of pair of sneakers, or two or three pair of casual shoes. That's about it. I probably have more than I need now. But, again, we're different. I was not going to say this, but I'm going to anyway. There are some men in here that are okay with wearing sandals. Now, I'm not being critical or judgmental. It's just not me. But I don't like man toes. I'm sorry now. Now, Pastor talked about this a while ago, but honestly, I just don't like the way my toes look. I try to keep them clean. I try to do But come on. Now, women, on the other hand, they take a lot of care in their toes. They paint them. They, they file them. They keep them all real nice. Not us, men. I don't need to see those man toes. But look, any of you guys that wear sandals or flip-flops or everything else, you're right in here. You all get it. It's okay. So the fact of all these differences is obvious. I mean, we can look around like we did just before. And here's the important thing. The reason that we're different is not an accident. Or let me just put it this way. We're not different by accident. And that is really important to note. We are uniquely created, each and every one of us, on purpose. You know what on purpose is? We have an early learning center, Christina and I. We see all these little children. I remember over the years, I've heard so many times these little kids talking to each other. You did that on purpose. It's like one of the first things they go, who did that on purpose? Who did that on purpose? And the fact is, the kid did do it on purpose. They shoved them or they took their toy or whatever. Who did that on purpose? But everything, there's things that, that are done on purpose. We are uniquely created by God. On purpose, but here's another important thing. We're uniquely created for purpose. And as a Christ follower, I'm not following them, not just accepting them. We believe that God made us who we are and made us unique on purpose. If you're a Christ follower, you believe that already. There's a guy named David that believed that, too. He was this guy that uh, wrote about it in Psalms. He actually was the guy that wound up killing this big giant warrior named Goliath. He then went on to become the second king of Israel, that David. And he wrote about this. He wrote about the uniqueness of, of all of us. And he did it in Psalms 139, 13, and 14. I want you to look at this. This is what David wrote. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, say praise you, 
I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, God's no dummy. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have accidents. There's always a purpose behind what he's doing. David looked around and noticed how different everyone really was. And what he did is he gave God the credit for it. Right there. He created us on purpose. He created you on purpose. And so now this is, this means this, that everything that makes you, you, is unique to you. Everything that makes you, you, is unique to you. You are the only you. And let me just say that. That, that might be a good thing. It's probably all the world can take. Right? I'm at the point of my wife now. Right? <laughs> Thank God he only made one of me. <laughs> I don't know if the world can take another one. But he made us all different. And the only, you're the only you. And, and all of this that I'm talking about here is so much bigger than fingerprints. Although that's awesome. That's just incredible. Only God could do something like that. Come on. But you're one of a kind. You're a limited edition. You're a first edition Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man, I think it is, comic book. You know what they said? That thing's worth $50,000? A comic book. You know why? Because it's a limited edition. It's unique. Everything that makes you, you, is unique to you. Here's a few things we'll put up on the screen. There's a lot of them. But it's personality, passions, skills, abilities, strengths, weaknesses. Everything, no matter what it is, all these things make me who I am. All of that blended together makes me who I am and makes those things a part of God's plan for my life. All of these things blended together makes us a part of God's plan for your life. And listen, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are given a spiritual gift. And that means this uniqueness that he created us with, which is what I tried to establish here, is extraordinarily unique to each and every one of us. When we accept Christ, it is expanded beyond where he started it. The uniqueness. He starts developing new things. So everything you are is unique to who you are and created by God, say that with me, on purpose. And okay, now, the motivational speech part's over. That's what that is. That, I mean, it's all well and good that it is. But I'm going to tell you, we would like, I believe I'm, I'm right in saying this with each of you, I think we would all like to believe there's more than life than just being created unique, which is great, or created on purpose, which is great. Now, don't get me wrong, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's great and essential, really, to know who you are. But there's a quote I want to tell you about a guy. There's a guy named William Barclay. He's, he wrote a couple of controversial things, which I'm not going to get into. This quote just fit, and I thought it would help me explain this. Uh, he's a professor and a theologian and uh, an ordained minister and many other things. But he wrote this. This is what he said. There are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why? Why? 
See, knowing who you are is a great start, but knowing why you are is greater. It, it, it's something more important. So who you are, it, it, okay, who you are, okay, you're a person. Discovering who you are is important, but as this man, William Barclay, wrote, it, it, you, you want to discover more than who you are. We want to know why we are who we are. Don't you want to know that? Maybe you know it now, but don't, I mean, that's just something that's innate to every human being. I don't care if they're a believer or a non-believer. That's just something we want to know. So, who you are, if I can put it like this, who you are is a person. Why you are is a purpose. You with me? Why you are is a purpose. So let me tell you some good news. As a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower here today, we don't need to struggle with this clarity of life purpose. We can know who and why we are because Jesus gave us that clarity. He taught about it. I think Jesus knew, I know he knew, that we were going to, at this time in, the, in history, we were all going to be at some point seeking purpose, looking for what our purpose would be. We were going to ask these questions. His disciples were probably wondering the same thing. And early on in his ministry, Jesus began to teach about these things. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 5 in just a second, which is the Sermon on the Mount and many other in the fifth chapter of Matthew, amazing instructions and teachings of Jesus. We're going to talk about one. But all these guys that were following him around, this ragtag group of guys, they were unique in every facet of the word. Some of them were fishermen. There was a former tax collector. Some were sort of laid back. Some were Peter, who was like the opposite of laid back. Some were more trusting and believing in the things. Some had more questions. But there were a lot of unique things. One of them even betrayed Jesus. But each of them were unique. They were all created on purpose, but they were also created for purpose. Each and every one of the twelve. And he, here's what he tells them. He, 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 and I think speaking to all of us who are following Jesus today in Matthew chapter 5. Now I'm going to take verses 14 through 16 and break them into little chunks here. The first thing he said is, you are the light of the world. Now, I think the disciples sometimes looked at Jesus because, again, we, we have the spoiler wars. We already know how these stories play out and how they all end. We've better read the whole book. They didn't know all that. And I just think a lot of times they were looking at Jesus like, huh, what? You know, I, I'm just a lonely fisherman. <laughs> Explain, what do you mean of the light of the world? It, 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 it's something that I think they just probably didn't completely grasp at the time. I could understand why but here's what I think that that if they were looking at it, when they were trying to understand it, I believe Jesus would have gone to them. Now, this isn't in the Scripture. Somebody's calling me again. Every week at this time, they're calling me. And I think it's one of those uh, scam calls. I think, it, I, I just, again, this is me projecting this, but... I can just see Jesus to each one of them to help them understand, say, no, no, no. You, Peter, are the light of the world. You, Bartholomew, are the light of the world. You, Andrew, are the light of the world. You, John, are the light of the world. I, I could just see him doing that and being very specific with them because I don't think they probably completely understood that. But he goes on in verse 14 to say this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Now, Jesus often gave, gave illustrations like this, parables. That's how he spoke to try to explain these uh, profound things that he was trying to get across through these uh, parables or illustrations. And in this case, he talked about how cities were, were built on a hill. Now, most of the time, that was for a couple of reasons. One is defensive purposes. The other would be put a city on a hill because you could see it for miles around. So if you're coming and you're trying to get to a city, you'd be able to see it as it came on the horizon. And the way they built cities back then were out of uh, mostly white limestone. And when we were in Israel, we saw this. And that white limestone, if you saw it, especially over there too, when the sun is hitting it, it really is a reflective surface. It makes it sort of bright. So you can see the city from, from all around. And at night, residents would light lamps in their homes, put lamps in places, and, uh, and also there were lamps that were put in strategic places in the city for people to see. And, of course, then if you were around and you were far away from the city, you'd be able to see it at night. It would really penetrate through the darkness because you could see all those lamps. So Jesus is giving them, so they would understand that because they've probably seen these cities before or seen, the, you know, the, the way that, that what I'm describing would be, would be set up. So I would say this, and, and, and I think Jesus was maybe looking at it like this too. Cities are placed on a hill on purpose. They did that on purpose. They did it for a purpose. They also are built on purpose. They didn't say, well, we're just accidentally going to build a city. They came and said, look, we're going to build a city here. So Jesus goes on and he's saying this, his words here in verse 15. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Now, it seems like basic common sense. You light a lamp, you put it out there, it lights up everything. It, it has a clear purpose, but here's what he's saying here too, I believe. You don't put it in a basket, you put it on a stand. See, placement matters. Where that light is placed, that lamp is placed matters. So again, lamps in that day, and today too for that matter, they were created on purpose, for a purpose, and they were placed in a certain place on purpose and for a purpose. So now, Jesus continues this, and in verse 16, take the first few words of it, he, as he's already described what I just have described to you and read to you from the Scripture, he now says, in the same way, so he's drawing a parallel to this, in the same way, just as a city is, you know, is a light that, that can't be hidden, just as nobody would ever light a lamp and hide it under a basket, just as that. In other words, nobody is going to take something that is created on purpose, placed for a purpose, and hide it on purpose. We're not, we're not going to do that. And so Jesus is saying, in the same way, this, let your light shine before others. Hmm. Let's break this down a little bit. Light, okay? So he said, you're the light of the world. So you are a light, so let your light, your uniquely created life that we've talked about before, this part of you that was created on purpose, let your light, what does it do? Shine. Let your light shine. See, light has a purpose. Light, the purpose of light is to shine. That's what it's for. It's to shine in this context to help others. It's to shine to illuminate a, a path 
or illuminate something else that you want to lead them to. And just like a city and the lamp, like the city and the lamp, cities here, the lamps here, it's place for a purpose, it's done on purpose. You created on purpose and placed for a purpose. Are you with me? Okay, I just want to make sure. So, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Here it is. But glorify God. That's the purpose. Verse 16, Jesus goes on. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All of this is about glorifying God. Let you be the light of the world because we want to glorify God. As a Christ follower, our purpose is to illuminate your Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. To illuminate a much better way. Not just something that's a, a good life or an okay life, but to illuminate the way to get to your best life, a much better way of living. And here's the other big, big part of this is so important. You've got to be aligned into the world because you've got to illuminate eternity. Eternity matters. Eternity is something that we need to be showing people through the light that shines through us. So when you take that light that Jesus was talking about into places where you have specifically been placed, it'll change people around you. Not with doing anything else, it'll change people around you. I've seen this happen. Just by, 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 by being that light. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. But you see, it's not because it's drawing attention to you. It will reflect a greater light. It will show people the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Who's the light of the world? That's who we want people to see. That's why we need to be the light of the world, to show them Jesus. So this unique combination now, and this is the word unique. It's been used a lot today. It's about to get used a little bit more. This unique combination of a unique creation that all of us are, a unique placement wherever we are, gives us our unique purpose. That's what it does. And God made you uniquely to be a unique light in unique places. Who you are as a person, you are a light. You are a light. You are the only you. You are uniquely created and will be and can be uniquely used by God. Everything you are is unique to who you are. Please understand this. I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think it's so important. Your light is the only one of its kind. You may not see yourself that way before you came in here today. But you are. You may think, well, I'm a mom or a dad or an aunt, an uncle, grandma, grandfather, a social worker, a real estate professional, a truck driver. A, it, it doesn't matter what all it is. You think, well, that's, no, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm not this. See, that's not who you are. That's what you do. Who you are is different than what you do. You are a light. You were created to be a light, and you were created to be a light on purpose and for purpose. 
Now, that's who you are in your life. Where you are, depending on where, and we're all in different places in life every day. Where you are is placement. Just like lamps are placed in a certain place. Your light has been given an opportunity to shine in unique places. You have an opportunity to shine a light in places that I'll never see. I have an pl- opportunity to shine light through my life in places that you may not have the opportunity to go. See, your light, each of our light in, in each of us is unique, but so is our placement. So is our placement. And so let me just ask you this in a, just a question to, for you to ponder a little bit here. What if where you work is less important than the purpose you have at work? What if where you live is less important than what you do where you live? So what about this? What if your purpose was to be a light? What if that's your purpose? So you add these things together, and if you ever wonder why you exist, if you ever wonder what your purpose in life is, if you ever what's my reason for living, if you are a Christ follower today, I can give you that answer. And if not, we can get that cleared up with you. I can give you the answer. When we combine a unique person, each and every one of you, me, and a unique placement, all the places that we go and that we encounter, when you do that, you will discover your unique purpose. You'll discover it. That's where you're going to find it. And our purpose, collectively, individually, is to shine a light and illuminate a better way. We've talked about that. Our light should shine a light on the light of life. Who is the light of life? That's what we just saying. That's, that's it. We, that's what we should do. And as a Christ follower, us individually, as a church, that's why we exist. I just think entirely that's why I exist. That's what I'm here to do. And everywhere we go, again, think about this now. We talked about those cards a minute ago. Everywhere we go, we have a unique opportunity to be a light that illuminates a better way. A better way. Here's a few of them. Just, this is just a few. Every time you share your faith, you're shining light. Every time you invite a friend to church and do one or a person to church, using those cards and whatever that you want, a light is coming forth from you. If you want to serve someone in need, that's light. How about living generously? Just deciding that you're going to live your life generously. That's light coming forth. Every time you show grace at a time where grace is needed or love to somebody that may be, by the world standard, unlovable, light. How about every time you forgive others and decide I'm not going to be offended, even though what they did to me was wrong. I'm deciding that I'm going to be in forgiveness as I have been instructed in the Scripture. Every time you do that, it's light. It's light. It's light. See, you don't have to say or do anything else. If you accept others for who they are, as Jesus accepted us, not agree with everything, maybe not agree with your lifestyle, but accept them as Jesus accepted us, that's light. Helping the next generation. What we talked about with youth a minute ago, every moment you pour into the to people that are younger and are coming after you. That's light coming out of your life. And when we do it, I'm telling you, people will see it. 
They'll see the good works. They'll see our life. They'll see our, our light. They'll see caring, compassion. And when they do, at some point, as David wrote, they will praise God. Their eyes will be turned to Him. They will see God in us. They will experience God through what they're seeing in the light in us. And they will experience and see and be illuminated and led to, through that light, a loving, caring, merciful, awesome, wonderful, heavenly Father. So look, if you want to discover your unique purpose, answer these three questions. Who are you? Where are you? Why are you? Where has God placed you? Each of you are in a different place. Boy, that can really expand real quick. Do the math on it. Each of us is in a different place. Where has he placed you to participate with him? Where is your unique place to be the light of the world? What are you uniquely created and uniquely placed to do? Ask yourself that. And let me tell you, can I tell you, Amanda, if you would just come and just, we're going to play some music as we close here. Here's why I think this is important. Why did Jesus choose to say and call you and I to be a light? Okay, I'm going to try to do my best to explain this, if I can. Or at least as best I can. Okay. Here's the thing. Unfortunately, darkness is the default of life. That's the default position of this world. And we should know that because at some point we were all in darkness. Some of us may still be in darkness today, either totally or partially. And that's okay because you can change that. Because when you accept Jesus Christ, we leave, you leave your spiritual darkness behind. And God is not content, listen to this, He is not content with just a few of us to live in the light. It's all through the Scripture. He's not okay with anyone remaining in the dark. One place is 1 Timothy 2. He, he says it very clearly. He wants all people to become saved and to, to, become in, to, to live in the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9 talks about this. Look, the darkness is everywhere we go, just like it's dark in here now, except for a little bit of light coming in. We have been given, all of us have been given a great opportunity and purpose to allow our light to be a light that shines into this darkness and illuminates a path to a better way, a better way of living, a path to our Heavenly Father. Think about this. If you were at work, so if you're at work and you feel like sometimes you're just working for the weekend, like the song goes, or you're just trying to just, just slog it out, maybe again, it doesn't matter, you'd be a, a truck driver, real estate professional, accountant, nurse, it, 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 even a pastor.
what if you are a parent today? And as a parent, you're just trying to make ends meet. You're trying to put food on the table. You're trying to make sure that you that you that you do and you're there for your children. You do everything that they want and need from you. But instead of being a parent, you've got to do all that stuff. But instead of just being a parent, what if you said, I'm going to be a light in my family? I'm going to be a light in my family. I'm going to start there. What if you're a student today? You could be in middle school, high school, college. What if instead of as you walk 